So this year, 2020, is adding to, you know, it's drama upon drama. It's a crash. It's COVID. It's, it's all of these things, and it keeps adding on, right? And it, 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 it kind of makes us want to think about the good old days, right? Um, if you're an adult, it makes you think about the good old days when you were in high school and things were a lot simpler, Right. When you were in high school and you would go to school and somebody would have a crush on you or you would have a crush on somebody. Wasn't that it sounded complicated back then, but it's a lot more simpler. If you ever had um, somebody, one of your friends come to you and say, hey, somebody has a crush on you. And now you're like all excited and you want to know who. And depending on who it is, you're whether elated, you're you're happy or you're you're, you're like, oh, so they say, oh, so-and-so has a, um, somebody has a crush on you and you go like, oh, yeah, who it is? Oh, who is it? And you try to find out and then you find out it's, I don't know, it's, uh, I don't want to use nobody's name, but let's say it's Marie Rose, but you, you don't like Marie Rose because Marie Rose don't look good, right? Or, or it, it's, uh, Jean Bertrand and, and you don't like Jean Bertrand because he, he don't look good. Uh, and that makes a difference, right? Um, I had a friend of mine, he had, when we were in high school, I wasn't a cool kid. I wasn't a nerd. I was just, you know, the guys that are just chill. And one of my friends, he had a lot of guts, right? Because he went after one of the top girls in the school. He went like, bang, he went high. And um, he asked her out. And she said, yes. What? Yes, don't she say? And everybody's excited. She said, yes. But then she had a meeting with the other cool girls and they let her know that that cannot be as a cool girl you cannot go out with that guy he's not part of the cool clique and, and then so she I guess she listened to her peers and she broke off the newfound relationship right so even though she liked him the fact that he wasn't fitting the mold so she cut it off but Turns out, over time, what you'll find out, and if you're in high school, it's good for you to know that now, that the people who are cool in high school are not necessarily the people who are cool in life. The people who, who are the top dogs in high school are not necessarily the top dogs when it comes to life. And turned out that gentleman turned out very well in life. He, he ended up getting a high government job. Um, while most, a lot of the cool guys of the school I went to, some of them ended up in jail and other people unfortunately ended up dying because of gang violence and that sort of thing. Now, I'm not sure what ended up happening with her, but she let a good catch go. And so this morning, I want, it matters who loves you, right? It matters when you get a note, somebody loves you. It matters. So this morning, I want to start with the end. And the end of the message is Jesus loves you. I want you to know this morning that Jesus loves you. God has sent me here with a clear message for somebody here that Jesus loves you. Now, depending on who Jesus is, it matters, right? If Jesus is just a, a low-level guy, then, yeah, it doesn't mean much. But I want to tell you this morning, that when I say Jesus loves you, we're talking about the greatest love that you could ever have. And I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me in Second Chronicles Chapter 6, verse 14. 2 Chronicles, chapter 6, verse 14 to 21. And it goes like this. It says, 
And, and, and just to put you in context, this is when Solomon, the, the, the son of David, the king, the wisest man who ever lived, he built a temple worth multi-billion dollar temple in Jerusalem, and he's about to dedicate the temple. And, and, and while he's dedicating the temple, he makes this prayer. And it says, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. You keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it as it is today. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said you shall never fail to have a successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel, if only your descendants are careful in all they do to walk before me according to my law, as you have done. And now, Lord, the God of Israel, let your word that you promised your servant David come true. But will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet, Lord, my God, give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence. May your eyes be open toward this temple day and night, this place of which you said you would put your name there. May you hear the prayer of your, your servant praise towards this place. Hear the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. God's word is already blessed. And so to this morning, our attention is going to be focused on verse 14. That's where we're going to be um, put our attention on verse 14. And verse 14 reads like this. It says, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. You keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. And so first this morning, I want us to understand when we say Jesus loves you, who are we talking about? Who is it the one that loves us? And, and, um, it, it is humbling to, to know that the God of the universe loves us. So this morning, first, I want to talk to you about the greatness of the creator. A lot of times we get so focused with the different things of, of life, the hustle and bustle, that we don't take time to understand that we serve a great God. We don't take time to, 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 to think and meditate and, and understand that we serve a God that is above all other God. That's why Solomon in his prayer starts off and says, there is no God like you in heaven. And I don't know if you spend time studying other religions, studying other faiths, but there is no faith like the Christian faith. There is no God like the Christian God. There is nobody who loves you like Jesus loves Loves you, and and Jesus is the the greatest that ever was, that, that ever is, and that ever ever will be. There is nobody. It's funny because I was looking one time when I was doing my research, and I went in another book that's not the Bible, and I I wanted to see how I know my God loves me, right? Because when I read Scripture, I see God's love all throughout Scripture. I see it in John three sixteen. For God, what's John three sixteen? For God so loved the world. I have the kids here. Let's see if you guys do your homework. What's John 3.16? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And, and we see all the love of God throughout scripture. So I went in another book and I tried to look for love. And what I found was that their God, here's what it says. It says, so-and-so doesn't love this. So-and-so doesn't love this. So-and-so, and, and it's very more what he doesn't love than what he actually does love. And I want to tell you this morning that you serve a God that actually does love you. You serve the God of heaven that actually cares about you. And he's the greatest. And, and when you look at, at, at the greatness of heaven, when you look, and you guys heard me say a lot of times that when you look at the universe and you look at where the earth is, is position and you look at the earth and the look at some magnificent sight on earth some some magnificent waterfall some mountain and it's beautiful but in our solar system it's a speck of dust when you compare the uh, the earth to the to the sun it's a speck of dust but when you compare where the our sun is to the next star is four 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 light years so if we were able to go at the speed of light it would take us four years to get there. Unfortunately, we don't go at the speed of light. And at our current propulsion, it would take us 70,000 years to get to the next star. Right now, we're just trying to get to the moon. That's not even the front door. We're trying to get to Mars. That's not even the front door. But when you consider that the Earth is a speck of dust in front of the sun, but the sun is a speck of dust in our little cluster, which is a speck of dust in the galaxy, which is a speck of dust in the universe, and, and which is in the hand of God. You, you kind of start to understand the greatness of our God. You kind of understand that the one who created everything is majestic. And in the book of Revelation, the, the apostle John gives us a, a little glimpse of how things are going to be when we get to heaven. And I think of all the books of the Bible, the books that must have been the hardest to write is the book of Revelation. Because in the book of Revelation, John would see things that is very hard for a man to put into words. There's so much things that are so great that Paul, when he saw those things, he said, you know what? It is not permitted for men. I'm not going even going to try because it's not permitted for men to, 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 to be able to speak of these things. But John, in the book of Revelation, he writes and he let us know that in the end, he says, as the last chapter of Revelation, he says, then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down in the middle of the great street of the city. Uh, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more nights. There will be no need for, for the light of lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Uh, and, and somewhere he says, so there is no more sun because God's presence is like the, the light that we need is like the light of the sun. But that is an understatement because like we said, the, the, the sun is just a 
speck, right? And it's just a speck of, of dust in the greater universe that God has. It's just to tell you that the glory of God is so great. The presence of God will be so great at that time that we won't need the sun. We won't need the moon. We don't need the stars because we will have his presence. Can you imagine walking downtown heaven? You're walking downtown. Say You call your friends. Hey, guys, you want to go out for downtown? Yeah, let's go downtown. Let's go have a drink. But there you don't, you're going to start drinking what they call spirits. No, because over there you have the Holy Spirit, right? And so you walk and then it says that there is a river and that is the water of life and that's what you're drinking. And then you have the tree of life just to bring you back. What is the tree of life? The tree of life is the tree that was in the Garden of Eden that when Adam and Eve sinned, God says, oh, we got to remove that because if we don't remove that, they're going to live in sin forever. But we can't have that. Before they go to the tree of life, we have to bring the tree of Christ so that they can be saved. And now in heaven, our situation is going to be better than in the Garden of Eden because we're going to have the tree of life and without the possibility of sinning. And it's going to be a great time. Can you imagine you're, you're there and in life? That means there's no more death. Right, this year is a year where there's a lot of death. Kobe died. Uh, uh, COVID nineteen. There's, there's 180,000 died. Uh, Chadwick Boseman died. Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. There's a lot of death. But there's come a place where there will be no more death because we have water of life and we have the tree of life. There's come a time where there will be. He says there will be no more curse. Right, no more curse. So that means what? That means no more COVID nineteen. That means no more cancers, right? No more. And for the ladies, say hallelujah. There means no more cramps, right? No more monthly cramps that come at you every month. That's over because in heaven there will be no more curse. There'll be no more curse. No more going to a job that you can't stand, working with people you don't like to pay bills that you can't pay. It's over. It's over. Like, you know, like when you have to go to work and, and then you see so-and-so and you don't like so-and-so or, or, or you, you get your check. But before, before the check can clear the account, it's already out the other side because the bills are too much. This is over. When you get in heaven, all your bills are paid because they were paid at the cross. All your bills are paid at the cross. And so it, it, when you take a time to just calm down, and, 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 and think about God. You understand that you serve a great God. You understand that you have the greatness of the creator. This is like an amazing thing that the God of the universe is so big that he holds the universe in his hand, but he makes himself so small that he lives in your heart and he makes himself known to you and he knows you by name. He knows you by name and he knows every hair that's on your, on your head and he counts all of those and he knows everything about you. It's the greatness of our God. But in this year, like, like this year, it's good to know that heaven, God is the greatest God of heaven. There's no God. If you study other religion, there is nobody that is like Christ. It's funny because every other religion is about what you can do to get to God. Christianity is about what God did to get to you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And, 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 but it's good to know that God is great not only in heaven, he's also great on earth. And, and, and we see in, in this the goodness of the Savior, where God doesn't only save us for there. The kingdom of heaven is not only for up there, it's all also for down here. The kingdom of heaven, the, the tree of life, and all the goodness that you have in heaven, it's not only in heaven, but it's also for here on earth. A lot of times they were saying like the, uh, what the slave 
slave masters used to do. They used to mistreat people and then say, oh, but don't worry, because when you get to heaven, you'll be okay. But I want to tell you this morning that, no, you can be okay when you're in heaven, but you can be okay right here, right now, because God is here right near to attend to the needs that you have. And, and here's, here's what he says. He says, in Second Chronicles 6.18, he asks, but will man, will God, really dwell on earth with humans? For him, it seems, so for him, it seems impossible that God would live on earth with humans, that God would, would, you know, God created everything. How is he going to make himself so small that he would be in the temple made by man? But what he didn't know is that God was not only going to make himself smaller than the temple, he was going to make himself into a human because though it's impossible to man, thank God we serve the God of the impossible. And what he, what, what he did, John 1 14 says, the word, which is the word Jesus Christ became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And here you have the divine that found a way to make himself human and to come in the form of flesh, flesh similar to the one of sin, but that never committed any sin. So you have the God who created everything because the Bible says everything was created by him and for him, making himself man, coming to dwell among us coming to to understand our situation where when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden God came in the garden and he started asking Adam he said Adam where are you now he wasn't asking for Adam's geographical location because God knew everything and God knew exactly where geographically Adam was Adam was situated but he he was asking Adam what what have you done? Where, where, what position have you been in? And that has been the tension now since that day with humanity where, where men could also say, always say, well, God, you're asking us to do this. You're asking us to do that. But you're not in our shoes. You're not living our situation. You don't know what it is to be tempted. You don't know what it is to be hungry. You don't know what it is to be tired. You don't know what it is to be human. And God says, hold up. Okay, okay, you know what? I, I, I'm going to make you even one better. I'm going to come. And I'm I'm going to live in the flesh like you. And he walked amongst us and he knew. Now he knows what it is to be tempted because he was tempted in the desert. He knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be tired. He knows what it is to lose a loved one because Lazarus died. And he saw when Lazarus died, he says, Jesus cried. And, and he knows what it is, what the pain of being human is. And, and, and the life of Jesus on earth is answering that question. Adam. Where are you? And this morning, in Jesus Christ, he answers that question. And he answers that question. So when you ask yourself, John, where are you? David, where are you? Abby, where are you? Jesus answers that question because he walked on earth. He walked on earth. And there is no other God. No other God that would... Uh, There's a Christmas song that says, How many kings... Abandon their thrones. How many, how many royalty would come down and, and leave their, 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 leave their, their mansions, leave their castle and come and live amongst the smallest of us? Well, Jesus did that. He became flesh and he dwelled amongst us. 
And while Jesus was walking on earth, and he was, he was doing, he represented the kingdom of God. When he went on, um, on the mountain of transfiguration, and you find that in Mark, Mark chapter 9, verse 1 to 4. He goes on the mountain, and um, before he goes on the mountain, he said, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. And he's talking to the crowd. And then after six days, he Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and, and led them up a high mountain where they all alone, there was there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than whiter than anyone in the world could bleach. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And, and so Jesus tells the crowd, you know what? Before long, before some people die here, they're going to see the kingdom of God. And what what happens six days later? He brings on the mountain. Peter, James, and John, and he reveals some of his glory, and he reveals some of himself, showing that he is the kingdom of God. So when you receive Christ in your heart, you're receiving the kingdom of God. And then later on, you would see in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit comes, and they do miracles, and then you see the power of God at work, the power of God at work, where it's the kingdom of God has come, and the kingdom of come, God of God coming, and, and changing. And so when Jesus was here, what did he do? He healed, he was healing the sick. When Jesus was here, he was feeding the hungry. He was raising the dead. And, and the presence of Christ is the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you this morning that that presence is available to you. Jesus did not come just to save the people in the first century. Jesus came so that people after him would be, would be saved. And he is the greatest God, yes, in heaven, but he's the greatest God here on earth right now. So I don't know what you your situation is. I don't know what, what you're going through right now. There's somebody at the hospital and the doctors don't know what to do. But I want to tell you that Jesus knows what to do and he can come into your situation and, and, and attend to that need and he can heal you even in your body. There's somebody that's going through depression and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn. I want to tell you this morning, turn to Jesus because he's the one that came to heal the body and the soul. He came to save the body and the soul and the spirit. So any part of you that is hurting, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus Christ. He revealed himself to the apostle and they saw a glimpse of his glory. That wasn't even his old glory because if he revealed his old glory, the planet would have been destroyed. And, and, and so he reveals his glory to what, what we can handle. He gave them what they could handle. And even that, you would, if you would, if, we would have read the rest of the text. You would see that uh, Peter was like, Jesus has built it. And, and he lost his composure because he was seeing a glimpse of the glory of God. And, and, and I want to talk to somebody. How many people know that you can see the glory of God? You can see the glory of God right here, right now. You can see the glory of God in your life. You don't have to necessarily wait in heaven. We're going through situation right now that we need a miracle now. We need God to act now. I mean, like the, the passage says, you know what, there's, there's, there's going to be a tree of life and there's going to be some leaves. But God, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. Can you send some of those leaves down? We need some of that tree of life down right now. God, we need your hand to act now. But we serve a God that says, if you seek me, you will 
find me. If you come to me with all your heart, you will find me. And I want to tell you this morning to seek God with all your heart and you will find him. The healing of the tree of life is not only for heaven. It can happen now. Some of the situation that you're going through right now, God has the solution. He can bring you to good destination if you put your faith in him right now. Right now. He's the greatest God, not only in heaven. He's the greatest God right now. He's the God that does miracles right now. He's the God that heals the sick right now. He's the God that casts out depression right now. He's the God that gives you that, that, that check that you weren't expecting that comes in the mail right now. He's the God, he calls himself Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He calls himself Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He called himself Jehovah Rohi, the good shepherd. So he was a good shepherd. There is no sheep that will end up in a bad place. If you're one of his sheep, he's going to take you to the right place if you put your trust in him. And I know you're going through some stuff right now. I know you're going through hardship right now. And, and God never promised that everything would always be smooth sailing. He said, you will have tribulation in this life. You will have tribulation in the world. But fear not because I have overcome the world. So what I'm telling you this morning is not that you're not going to have any troubles. What I'm telling you is that with God on your side, you have the one that assures the victory. That with Christ, you have the victory. That whatever financial problem that you have, stick through the course and God will give you the victory. That the, the, the troubles in your body, give trust to God and he can give you healing. And some of us, we're facing life and death situations. So we need the God of life to come into action. We need you, God of life, to come into play and bring life in that situation that is dead. We need you to bring life in that relationship that is dead. We need you to bring life to that career path that is dead. We need you to bring life to that father-children relationship that is dead. We need you to bring life in this country that is spiritually dead. We need you, God, to bring life. He is the God of life. And it was serve an amazing God. And Jesus said in John, John 7, he said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from him. In that situation that you're living in, in that, in the hardship that you're going through, he says, come to me. Come to me. And if you come to me, like the scriptures have said, out of your bosom will come out rivers of life, the waters of life, where you're the one bringing life in that situation that is dead. You're the one bringing change in, in, in that workplace that is dead. You're the one bringing life into your family members that are spiritually dead. You're bringing life wherever you go because you came to him and he fills you with his presence. He fills you with those rivers of life. Peter tells us, you know what? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. Because Jesus loves you. And he is the greatest God of the universe. Now, now I don't care how rich somebody is. I don't care how powerful. When your child comes to you, all that stuff has got to pause because you got to take care of your child. God, when you come to him, yes, he controls the whole universe, but I can wait because he's going to attend to you. And he knows you by name. 
and he knows everything about you. So he says, you know what? Come and give me your anxiety. Give me your troubles. Give me your, 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 your cares every, because he cares for you. He cares for you. And, 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 and I'm going to let you let that sink in. Because when it comes to relationships, when it comes to a relationship with God, it, this stuff cannot be explained. It has to be revealed. It has to be revealed to you. You have to open your heart and let the Holy Spirit t- t- touch your heart. You have to let, because, you know, like, to go back to the high school example, it's one thing when your friend tells you, oh, she likes you, or he likes you. It's another thing when they come and they tell you to your face. Yeah, I can hear it from the friends, but eventually I want to hear it from you. And God sent me here today to tell you he loves you. But eventually you have to hear it from him. You have to hear it from him in the depth of your heart, in the depth of your spirit. Because you see, what I love with scripture, with the Bible, is that it's all connected. It's all connected. All the different parts of scripture, they're all connected. In our passage, we read the dedication of the temple. In the Old Testament, when they were in the desert, God told Moses to do a tent, a tabernacle, right? And the tabernacle, that tent, which is the same word as dwelling, that tabernacle, they, that's what used to be with them in the desert, and it went wherever they went, and, 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 and that's where they, that represented the presence of God, and that's where they would go to meet with God, and that was a tabernacle. And then they, God gave him a land, and in that land, they grew, and they, now they got more power, and, and then Solomon built the temple, and the temple represented the kingdom of God, uh, the presence of God. But then came a time where the temple was not going to be useful anymore, because what God came himself in Jesus Christ, and he said, yes, you guys can gather in the temple, but soon enough, Enough, all that temple, not stone on stone, will be left unturned. And in 70 AD, the Romans came and destroyed that temple. But I want to tell you this morning that the temple is alive and well because the temple is you and me. We are now the temple of God. The Bible says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are the temple of God. And, and what Solomon said in his prayer in verse 20 or verse 21, he said, let your eyes always be on that temple because you put your name on that temple. And, 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 and now if you jump in Revelation, he says what? They will have, they will see his face and, they, and, and, and his name will be on them. The name of Christ is on your life. So the eyes of Christ are on you. And the same way that, 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 Solomon said, hey, if anyone prays from this temple, you hear, now you are the temple of God. So because you're the temple of God, when you cry to God, when you lift your voice to God, he is going to hear because his name is called upon you. Your, your life has the name of Christ upon it. So he, when he sees you, he sees his temple. He sees the place of his dwelling. And the Bible says, if anyone destroys the temple of God, God will destroy them. So, so when you're walking, if somebody attacks you, they're attacking God. If you're walking in the ways of God and some, some trials come after you, God is invested in protecting you. Well, when, when some persecution come your way and persecution will come, but understand this, that when persecution come your way, it's coming at God. That's why when Paul was persecuting Christians, what did Jesus say? He said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting them? He said, why are you persecuting me? He took it personal. He took it personal. 
And, and so it's all connected. And, and so right here on earth, God is invested in your life. Right here on earth, God is invested in the outcomes of the situations of your life. And it's funny because there is nobody greater than God. Like we have some great men that lived. I'm not gonna lie to some great people that did great things. Like Gandhi, he freed India. Mandela freed South Africa. MLK freed Black America. But Jesus Christ freed my soul. Jesus Christ is the one that freed my soul. So I can respect these guys. I can admire these guys, but I can only worship Christ because he's the one that saved my soul. And nobody else, who else, who else is going to do that for you? Who else is going to come and, and give their life to save yours? And so we have a great creator. We have a good savior, but, but he doesn't stop there, right? He gives us a, a guarantee and he gives us a guarantee. And that's what blows my mind. That's what blows my mind. He gives us a guarantee of the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of the helper. He says, so he says, yes, there's no more greater than you in heaven. There's no one greater than you on earth. And then he says, you keep your covenant of love. Now, if you understand a covenant, a covenant is, 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 is not a deal. It's deeper than a deal. It's not a contract. It's deeper than a contract. It's something that cannot be broken. When you're in the covenant with someone, it's something deep. And it's, it, it has some criterias in there that is, that are set by the one who, who initiates the covenant. So in this case, you have Christ. We have God that initiated the covenant. And then you, if you agree to that covenant, then you're bound by those criteria. But guess what? It's not a fair deal. It's not a fair deal. Where God sets the rules, where he says, and, and, and open, follow me in Matthew chapter 26, 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And, and so, so, so he, he does a covenant. And in the Bible, all the covenants are sealed with bloods, right? They're sealed with blood. Somehow they're sealed with, with, with a sacrifice. But here, Jesus Christ, he says, my covenant with you is going to be sealed with my own blood. My covenant with you is going to be sealed by me going through the cross. You see, he says, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But good God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's right through him? And, and, and that's where it's, it's, it's mind-boggling where... We're sinners. We're, we're not trying to be good. We're not good. We're sinners. We're doing what's wrong. We're, 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 you know, Friday night, Saturday night, we're doing what's wrong. But while we're still doing what's wrong, while we're still away and enemies of God, Jesus decides, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to die on the cross for Dave. I'm going to go and I'm going to die on the cross for Priscilla. I'm going to go and I'm going to die on the cross for Wayne. Even though, even while they were still sinners, even while they were still not good. And, and that's going to be my covenant to them is that whoever now 
comes to me. Whoever turns to me, turns to the cross and receives me, I'm going to save them. I'm going to save them. And all they have to do is say yes, because it is not by works that we are saved. It's by grace it, through, through, the, through the means of faith. And, and that's what is different. Every other religion, you have to perform to be saved. You have to perform to make it to heaven. In Christianity, all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes. Is get on your knees and say, God, I need you. So he died on the cross. He, he shed his, well, first of all, he left heaven. He left his cozy, nice mansion in heaven. He came on earth and he was tired. He was hungry. He, he lived on earth a human life. And, and of all the times, he didn't come in the 21st century when you have cars and you have AC and all of that. No, he came in the first century with no AC. They were riding donkeys. And you know, like, I don't know. You know how donkey smells? It don't, it don't smell good. And that's the, t that's the time that he decided to come. But then he, he decided to die, not just to die a normal death. He died the most excruciating death there is, the cross. That's his part of the deal. That's his part of the contract. That's his part of the covenant is that he sealed it with his blood. And what our part is, is to say yes. It's not a fair deal. It's not a fair deal at, at, at all. It, it, it's like it's like that that commercial Burger King commercial they have now, where you get to the drive-through and they go, oh, it's two for five, two for five. Yo, you real? Oh, 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 let me go before y'all change your mind. Like 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 it's a steal. That's not a steal. You want to know a steal? Is you being saved for eternity by the sacrifice of somebody else at the cross? That's a steal. And if that was it. That would be enough. If that was all that Christ did, that would be enough. It's like, I don't know if you guys saw, but recently there's some wildfires going out in um, California and all those western states. And it's like terrible wildfires, like like something that we've never seen before. Like, you know, like they couldn't come in 2019. They couldn't come in 2021. Those fires had to come in 2020, right? I mean, this is this year is big. This year is the biggest year. And and so they, they, um, one of those fires erupted. And um, there were people, like a lot of people, it was Labor Day weekend, and they were stuck at a lake. And they're stuck at a lake, and, and then the fire starts everywhere, and the fire takes out the only road out. The only road outside of that lake, the fire took it like you can't go. It's too much fire. And sometimes when you, when you haven't lived one of those fires, it's hard to understand how bad it is. But imagine those fires that get so hot that you can have a car on the road and, and, and the fire is not on the road, but the heat is so hot that the, the car starts combusting by itself. Because the heat is so much. So that's how much the heat is. And these people are stranded because the fire is engulfing everywhere. And then, so what needed to happen started the biggest rescue ever of that kind. Where the National Guard and other agencies got together to go and, and rescue those people. And, and it's funny because there are amazing things that the government can do when they actually work together. Amen. But but so the, so the National Guard come and, and what they do, they come with helicopters, right? And, and they bring like a lot of helicopters to get those hundreds of people out and rescue them before the fire comes. And, and, and because they did that to the risk of their own life, they're heroes. They're heroes. And, and imagine if you're stuck in one of those fires, man, you're so glad when you see the helicopter come and you can get on the helicopter and be taken into safety. And, and that is, and, and God bless the first responders. God bless the National Guard and these people. And that would be enough. 
But now imagine the National Guard guy says, oh, by the way, I'm a millionaire, and, and I see you guys went through this. Not only am I going to save you, but I'm also going to give you a couple million dollars to help you get situated again. You'll be like, what? The National Guard does that? No, the National Guard does, doesn't do that. But you know who does that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Because not only did he not save us from the lake of fire, did he not save us from an eternity of hell, but then he said, you know what, but that's not enough. That's not enough. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he says in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14, he says, when you believed, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So not only did he not save us by dying on the cross, but that wasn't enough. He said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do even more. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And, And what you have to understand is when Jesus came, he stood up to the religious leader. He was fighting the Pharisees, the Sadducees, But then he was friend with the prostitutes and the tax collectors. You know why? Because he wasn't interested in rituals. He wasn't interested in sacrifices. He wasn't interested in robes and all of that. He was interested in relationships. He was interested in being in relationship with the sheep, with the sinners, with the prostitutes, with the the tax collectors and all of those people because he loved them. And so what you have to understand is when you hear the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit, baptize them in what? The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, every time that you have a mention of three, the third one is the deepest dimension. The third one is the deepest dimension. That's why he says in Corinthians, three things remain, faith, hope, and and love. But the greatest of these things is Love. And so when you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you understand you're talking about God. You're talking about the one true God. But when you hear about the Father, the Father is in heaven and he, he rules over everything. And then you hear about the Son. The Son came on earth and he lived amongst us and he sacrificed himself and he rose from the dead. And he's called Emmanuel, God with us. But when you think about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now is sent. He's sent where? To live inside of you. So Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is, is, is God in us. And that's the deepest level of relationship until we get to heaven. Where God doesn't, didn't only want to save us, but he wanted to be in relationship, in communion with us. He wanted to be in that, in that, um, bond of a relationship with us and, and that's is what's amazing and that's why he says yeah, why does he do all of that here's his goal here's his goal the goal of the lover is to be in relationship with a sheep the goal of the lover is that we be and you see that he says with in the last part of our verse says with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way When God did all of this, he did it so that we be in relationship. Yes, he's great in heaven. Yes, he's great on earth. But he's also great in your heart because he gave you the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. When you receive Christ, when you come to Christ, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart. 
Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. It's there because you're born again. How does you get born again? You get born again because the Holy Spirit come and made you alive again. So, so in your heart, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit if you receive Christ. And he did that because he wants to be your friend. He doesn't only want you to, to serve him like, like, um, like a boss. He wants to be in relationship with you like a friend, like a father. Here's what he says in the book of John, in John 15. And that's going to be our last verse. It says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because the, a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. The goal of the lover because Jesus is the lover of your soul. Jesus is your first husband. Jesus is, is your best friend. Jesus is, is your shepherd. Jesus is, and he says, I call you friend. So his goal in relationship is number one is that you open your heart. Is that you open your heart to him. If you don't know him this morning, I want to encourage you to open your heart so that you can receive him as your Lord and Savior. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through right now. But I want to tell you that you have a God that wants to enter your life. That wants to be in relationship with you. So open your heart to him. All you have to do is say, God, the Father of Jesus Christ, I say yes. I say yes to your will. I say yes to your way. Come into my heart. I recognize I'm a sinner. I know I messed up. I know I'm, I'm messing up. I know I will mess up in the future. But I know that you died on the cross to save me. And I say yes. And, and some of us, we already said yes to God. But once we said yes to God, we said thank you, Jesus. And we moved on. But I'm going to tell you that Jesus wants you to open your heart to him every day so that he can have that conversation with you, that he can have that relationship with you and guide you and, and give you the strength. So one, you open your heart. Number two, obey his word. You know his word. You have the scriptures. You have the Bible. Obey his word. But three, if you receive the love of Christ, offer it to somebody else. Give it to somebody else. Share it to somebody else. There's a lot of pain out there. There's a lot of hurt out there. The solution for that pain and that hurt is not in the scientists. It's in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus loves you.